To fully understand the causes, conflicts and consequences of the British civil wars, we need to recognise that by the middle of the 17th century, British society was still bitterly divided by the Protestant Reformation of the preceding century. This had left Catholics as a marginalised and persecuted minority, while Protestants argued that the Reformation had never been completed. The accession of Charles I in 1625 fuelled this instability. The new monarch believed unequivocally in his divine right to personal rule, with little, if any, need to consult Parliament. A high Anglican, he doggedly set out to impose mandatory church reforms, including reinforcing the power of bishops, the reintroduction of rituals and ceremonies, and a new Book of Common Prayer. This brought him into direct conflict with many parishes across England and Scotland, and many of those who disagreed were prepared to take up arms and fight to protect their beliefs. So the scene was set for civil war. We invited the distinguished historian Anne Hughes, Emerita Professor of Early Modern History at Keele University, to help us understand the importance of religion at this time. Here she introduces her series of three conversations with publisher Mike Gibbs. My name's Anne Hughes. I'm a retired professor of history, retired from Keele University a few years ago. All my life and indeed since I studied A-level, I've been interested in and luckily a specialist in the British civil wars of the mid-17th century, with particular interest in religious and political divisions, in gender, in print culture. And why do we need to talk about religion in relation to the British civil wars? Religion was the fundamental framework within which people understood their world, understood their place in the world, their obedience to authority, their relationship with their neighbours. It was taught to everybody through national churches. And as far as we know, everyone was a believing Christian. It's a very important source of division. The issues between royalists and parliamentarians include very important religious questions. And it's also a very important motivation, the notion that you might be fighting a godly cause, fighting for God rather than man, was one of the great motivations of taking up arms for or against the king. Looking back from where we are in the 21st century, why would religion have been such an important part of your life and mine if we'd have been alive at that time? Most of us would have to attend the church every Sunday, listen to sermons, engage in some of the practices and rituals of the church. It would cover all the landmarks of our life from birth, through marriage, through death. Church was the centre of communities and centre of the rules by which people obeyed the authority and related to their neighbours. Why was Britain at this time such a hotbed, if you like, of discontent and division in terms of religion? It's what historians call a post-Reformation period. Everywhere in Europe and 
particularly in the kingdoms ruled over by James I and Charles I, England, Ireland and Scotland. Rulers and people are dealing with unresolved questions left by the Protestant Reformation and the challenge to a Catholic monopoly. Ireland remains largely Catholic. Scotland has a very zealous Reformation, but one that feels a bit vulnerable if kings disagree with it. England, according to some zealous Protestants, was but halfly reformed. Some people were happy with what had been done. Others believed that it needed further reformation of the remnants of what they called popery. So everyone believes in Christian religion, but there are very, very profound fundamental disagreements over what form of Christian religion should be actually operating in your country. And those divisions are between Catholics and Protestants, but there are also very serious divisions between different sorts of Protestants. So could you sum up for us what you're going to talk about in this series of three programmes? Well, I've been talking about approaches to reformation, rival accounts for the need for further reformation, culminating in the failure of overall reformation and a rich ferment of religious speculation and novel religious organisation certainties that had been taken for granted for generations about the nature of the church, the nature of salvation, the nature of baptism were challenged and accepted hierarchies and relationships of obedience were at least shaken and sometimes subverted and transformed. I can appreciate that people often find the religious conflicts of the 17th century very alien from their own lives, very abstruse. I've tried to suggest that these were to people crucial issues about their lives in this world and in the next world, which was very real to them. And that in this ferment of religious speculation, new religious organisation, you had a challenge to lots of fundamental certainties and a challenge to habits of obedience and hierarchical relations that threatened at some stages to turn the world upside down. So we hope that you, the listeners, will enjoy these very, very informative and interesting programmes. And thank you very much indeed for making them for us. Thank you very much for asking me. I hope people do find them very rewarding. You can listen to three podcasts with Professor Hughes explaining how the Tudor Reformation created deep divisions in British society, which directly contributed to the outbreak of civil wars, the growth of Protestantism in multiple forms, and the implications of these religious differences for the three kingdoms of England, Scotland and Ireland. They are available at our website, worldturnedupsidedown.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up to date on all of our programmes, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The World Turned Upside Down. <laughs>